Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back to Wells Tech, everybody. This is episode 711 at 711, and we are recording on Thursday, October 26, 2023. My name is Martin Spriggs, and you've joined a show where we talk about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. And my podcasting partner and friend in conversation about technology and ministry here again, Sally Draper. Hello, Sally. Good morning, Martin. Happy to be joining you today. Uh, the calendar is rushing by. It's already the end of October, you said. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just uh, I, I, by. Fall is one of my favorite times of year, at least early fall. As it gets later, then it gets a little more depressing, at least up <laughs> here in the Midwest. But uh, we haven't seen any snow, no freezes yet, although this weekend oh, there's goodness. supposed to be one. So. Um, We're supposed to have snow this weekend, so. Oh, nice. Curses. <laughs> that's yeah, a little early. It is, but that's okay. Usually, we usually can around Thanksgiving is kind of nice to see the snow, but. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, what are we talking about today, Sally? Good question. Um, today we're talking about automation, which I think is a very interesting topic and a topic that we would have discussed quite differently maybe 10 years ago mm-hmm. on this podcast. But um, as of now in 2023, there are so many tools and so many ways that can assist you with your work in the church or school office um, as a called worker, whatever you need to accomplish with automation. Mm-hmm. And um, by that, I mean taking a task that you do regularly and having it pretty much done for you. You do the setup, and it carries out the work on your behalf. And uh, who doesn't need a little extra time when something's taken care of in that way? So, And this is what computers do well. Um, yes. And usually uh, they do what they're told. And <laughs> the, <laughs> I think one reason that this is more timely than it might have been 10 years ago is the reliance that a lot of us have on what we call web services, uh, web applications, tools that live in the web that can be connected. Uh, long ago, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, we had standalone applications just living on our computers. They really weren't web-based. They they didn't connect to each other. There was really no way to have them talk to each other. But now almost every tool that's out there, whether that be you know something from Google or Microsoft or your favorite email application or whatever it is, usually has a way to talk to other programs, other applications. In fact, it's almost a requirement. Um, you've heard potentially, you know, in techie conversations, the concept of an API, an application programming interface. All that simply means is that the makers of the program have put some code in there so that other programs can talk to it. If you know 
the right incantation. And then you get back data and then you can do something with that data. So uh, that's what we're talking about today, the tools and the services around making applications talk to each other, moving that data around to where you want it. There's triggers that uh, maybe would start an action and then you can tell the action what to do. And maybe you modify the data and you put it in another program, those kinds of things. So um, Sally, maybe uh, we should talk about some of the big players in this space, and then we can talk about some of the use cases. How about that? That sounds great, Martin. Um, I have a few up and can share my screen for those watching the video uh, as we walk through some of these different players. Just have to find the right buttons. So um, starting off at the top of the list, uh, a couple that seem kind of parallel, the if this, then that, and Zapier. So mm -hmm. Zapier is um, at zapier.com, and if this, then that is at iftt.com. Mm -hmm. And basically both of those make use of those kind of handles that are inside different programs to automate tasks. And so one example I have is if I take a picture on my cell phone, uh, Google Photos, gets a copy of that automatically. I don't do anything to make that happen. It just shows up in my Google Photos. Now, this cell phone right here, if it weren't connected to the internet, is just my little local device. But because it's connected to the internet and because I set up an if this, then that um, applet, I think is what they're called, mm -hmm. then um, it knows to go grab that photo and put it in Google Photos for me. So I have this backup to the cloud. Um, comes with an iPhone that you can set up automatic backup to the iCloud as well, you know. So those kind of automations um, and automations that you can set up yourself with these kind of tools are examples of, of what you might be using. Mm -hmm. We use Zapier at the Senate level. This will be a little bit geekier, but uh, most of you know what RSS feeds are. RSS simply takes something on the web. Maybe it's a blog post, something like that, or in our case, it's a daily devotion or a Bible reading on wells.net. And we use Zapier to kind of take that RSS feed and kind of shape it to get just the information we want and maybe even trim it down because an RSS feed can have hundreds of listings and maybe we only want to return the, the first 10 or the latest one. So Zapier does that for us and then we plug it into the Wells app or the uh, uh, the page on wells.net that is going to show the feed that we want. Uh, one nice thing about these major players like Zapier and IFTTT is they have these kind of pre-baked recipes or templates or applets that you can kind of be inspired by. So if you just kind of scan through their different uh, suggestions, uh, it might create some you know, what-if kinds of things going on in your head to say, hey, I, I, I didn't necessarily know that I needed that, but that would actually save me some time to be able to, to do this. Let's say... Uh, uh, you've got opportunities to to streamline, you know, what you do with uh, forms results from Google Forms. We'll talk a little bit more that, about that in a minute. Uh, maybe you want to put that uh, automated into a spreadsheet or something like that and, and shape it a little bit differently than maybe the way they do it. So lots of different opportunities like that. But yeah, get inspired, go to these sites. Now, some of these sites do have restrictions on the number of 
let's say, automations you can do before you have to start paying them. So, and the cost isn't always super expensive. It depends on the service, uh, but you can almost always try before you buy. Right. And um, some of them may have um, plans for nonprofits. I know mm -hmm. Zapier in particular gives a 15% discount for nonprofits. So be sure to ask those questions before um, you lock into any kind of pricing or whatever. Yeah, of so. the two of those two that you just mentioned, I would say Zapier is more business focused, although mm -hmm. there's a lot of personal stuff there. IFTT has been around the longest. I mean, we talked about that probably 10, 10 12 years ago uh, from a personal perspective, but I think they're getting more into business stuff too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Something that's a little different I have uh, up on my screen is something called Follow Up Then. Um, and again, this one's been around for a while, and this one is just tied to your email. So if you um, send an email and include a certain email address at follow-up then, it will resend that email on the time frame that you put in that email address. It's kind mm -hmm. of odd, but um, you can say, you know, I want to see this again tomorrow at followupthen.com or a particular date. You could even put in a date and time and it will send that email again um, based on what you put in um, to their email address. So um, I can see automations around this just with um, reminder type emails or things. Mm -hmm. So say you have a template for reminding your communion helpers or whatever it may be. And, and then they would get this email and you can put multiple follow-up then addresses in there. Mm -hmm. So maybe an email um, the week before you're up next week and an email on Friday night, you know, just really timely. Don't forget you're doing communion tomorrow at five 30. And so um, lots of ways to just use this simple email address without having to create recipes or anything. Mm-hmm. And it gives you uh, digests of all the follow-up thens that you've got kind of pending as well. So you can kind of get a daily email so that you've got that list there. But yeah, this is a cool tool. Not only can it remind you, but it rem can remind the people that you uh, are, are trying to keep on schedule or remind of a, of a particular task. It can, it can even detect whether somebody has responded to you. And then they can uh, then follow up, then can kind of discontinue the the nagging or whatever it is that you've got set up. So it's, it's very sure. smart. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I, I also have opened something called sign up. And this is a little bit different concept where you're not automating your tasks so much, but you're letting this tool take care of the full automation. This one is to get volunteers, basically. Um, you put something out there, you give them options, maybe dates or times that they can sign up for, or even um, things they want to bring to the potluck or whatever it may be. And then it can remind them in time, um, you know, in a timely fashion based on the, the time frame that you have there. So really, you do some setup, and then it takes care of the whole thing with your volunteers and, and the reminders and things. Signup.com. Yep. A couple that uh, are kind of in the, the heavy hitter category again uh, that are more like Zappy or IFTT 
One is called Power Automate. It used to be called Flow. That's from Microsoft. So if you're in the Microsoft ecosystem, you've probably run across this. Super powerful. Um, connects all the Microsoft apps plus more. I was just working in this tool this morning. It's performance review time, and we have a form that uh, the the folks fill out you know, for their performance review and their managers, and then it spits out a PDF. Uh, what we have is that PDF going to our HR department, but what we want is not just the email, but we want the attachment to go into a particular folder. Uh, so we created a Power Automate script that says anytime a email goes into this uh, e inbox, take the attachment, name it such and such, uh, and then put it in this folder. So then HR has all these documents. So something similar could happen with a Google form where you say, hey, I want any attachment that come you know, out of this form to go into this particular um, uh, folder or tagging system for Google Drive. So lots of different ways to do that. Another one, which is probably uh, more geeky than the rest, but probably even more powerful and flexible is something called make.com. Uh, they have thousands of connectors uh, that allow you to build almost anything you want. But uh, I would say the interface is a little bit more of a struggle to get to get to to use in, in a comfortable way. Uh, but it is uh, one of the big players in kind of heavy duty uh, automation. So if the others don't do it or if they don't have the connectors that you want, make probably does. Nice to know. Um, I see this word no code or low code on a lot of these mm -hmm. sites. What does that mean, Martin? That means it's mostly going to be a drag and drop experience. So you don't have to know how to code. You obviously have to, I guess one required skill is that you need to be able to think logically through the steps necessary to get from A to B to C to D. Uh, you have to understand um you know, the, that process, but, uh, that's really it. And they, they make it easy, uh, from there. Mm -hmm. I see, um, like a little, almost like a flow chart on both of mm -hmm. these sites where it just shows you the step and then the step and you fill in the yep. blanks of what you want it to do. So I would guess all our Wells tech listeners are geeky enough to, to tackle it and spend a little time with it and get comfortable. Yeah. You can go down some rabbit holes. I mean, it, you can spend a lot of time <laughs> trying to automate everything. You have to kind of weigh the the cost of you know your time spent mm -hmm. in automating these things. Um, mm -hmm. But again, like you mentioned at the top of the show, Sal, if there are things that you do pretty regularly, it's it's worth trying to figure out if there's a way to automate that. Yep. One thing I do pretty regularly is try to bring groups of people together in mm -hmm. meetings. I don't know if anybody else does that, but it seems to be challenging when there's maybe more than two people who need to attend mm -hmm. a meeting to find a good meeting time um, with everyone's calendars. And so I have often relied on doodle.com to do that task for me. Very similar to sign up where you tell it the dates and times that are possibilities. And then everyone goes out and says yes or no to all those different dates and times. And then you can see where the most people can attend a particular date or time and, and you know, choose your meeting time based on that. So um, pretty powerful stuff. Again, free for um, most of us. If you need to do a lot of doodling, then it has a price tag with it. But mm -hmm. really wonderful tool for pulling for 
herding cats, pulling people together for a mm-hmm. meeting can be super challenging. Yep. Um, and then one more just to mention, uh, meal train. Um, something that we often do in a church setting is support people with meals in their time of need. And this will do all of that kind of work for you as well. You tell them what dates you can put in, you know, their food preferences and things like that, any allergies or whatever, and people sign up and deliver meals and it does reminders and things like that for you. So kind of a niche thing, but something that we do tend to do a lot, maybe um, in a woman's group or, or whatever the case may be um, in our churches. Very nice. So that's just a sampling. There are other products out there. And if you get into this space, you're going to obviously run across them. And I think there's, there's some coming on the scene all the time, but those are the ones that have our attention at this point. And again, as we mentioned, uh, if you do decide to go all in on one of these, make sure you're looking for that nonprofit pricing because many of them have that option. Um, there is another category of these automation type tools that are maybe more on the uh, platform specific side and they work both with web services, but also with uh, your local device. And so what comes to mind would be shortcuts on on an iPhone or an iPad or even the Mac. Uh, That's their automation tool uh, so that you can script things to to make some of these things happen. Um, On Android, there's a tool called Tasker. It's been around a long time, kind of does the same thing. Google Assistant even on you know an Android device uh, would do some of these things where you can you do some automation. And then one that I use is, uh, and I think I've talked about this on the show on the Mac, is something called Keyboard Maestro, uh, which automates uh, key presses or all kinds of things. It's not simply a, a keyboard recorder, but it'll it'll make things work together. And one thing that I use it for, and I think I talked about this long ago when I do our Bible 3 recordings, I have to um, get the content from someplace and put it into our content management system. So I've got a whole script through uh, Keyboard Maestro that goes out to Bible Gateway, scrapes the appropriate Bible verses, strips out different stuff, reformats it, uploads it into WordPress, and you know, gives it the right date and footnotes and all that stuff. So, and that's something that I do uh, 365 days times three. So it's a (laughs) Bible and three-year program. So that's a perfect example of something you really want to automate. You don't want to have to do all those steps, time-consuming steps that many times. So it was well worth the day it took me to try and figure that stuff out. So (laughs) I'm picturing Groundhog Day and you just do it again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do Um, it once a day. I do it once a week. So it's a little bit less, but uh, still 154, 156 (laughs) times. So there you go. Um, So other examples, Martin, I um, came up with um, email storage to cloud storage as being an example. If you want to set up, you know, your local email storage to automatically back up to the cloud, that could be one um, Mm -hmm. way that you could use some of these tools. Another might be um, putting your photos, I mentioned earlier, putting your photos in Google Photos, but I think I had one set up at one point that with a certain hashtag on a 
a post to Instagram or something like that, it would take that Instagram photo and put it in a certain photo album on Flickr. So not just dumping it into the the main stew, but actually putting it in a specific face place. So that photo album could be your church's photo album. You take a certain picture, you hashtag it on Instagram with um, the church name or something like that. And then at that same time, you're building up a whole album of pictures that you can show um, from your Flickr account and share and things like that. So Mm -hmm. one thing that I do, and I'm going to talk about this with my pick of the week, is if you've got a bookmarking app, um, and I'll just tip my hat a little bit, I use something called Raindrop. And it is a web service and it has an API and it works with all these automation tools. If you give it a certain, if you give your bookmark a certain tag, you can kind of ask your tools, Zapier or whatever it is, to, to spring into action and say, oh, you tag something with Wells Tech. I'm going to put that into your uh, a particular OneNote page or your note-taking app or a spreadsheet so that you've got now a list so you don't have to rely on the organization of your bookmarking tool. You just kind of give it the tag and um, these automation tools put it where you're actually going to use the content. So things like that are are super helpful. Yeah. Another might be um, not really something you want to automate, but something you want to monitor. And that would be any kind of web postings mm-hmm. with, say, your church or your school name. And you can have, you know, automation set up to go look for those things, maybe Twitter feeds or um, Google search terms or whatever, and bring those to you. So you know if your church name all of a sudden is getting called out um, with a high volume or anything like that. And for a particular reason, it's not something you have to find out accidentally, but it's, um, you know, revealed to you by monitoring certain things um, in this way. Yep. A lot of these work with task management tools, uh, any do or Todoist or, you know, whatever you're using where it can um, get, send you an email, for instance, uh, with today's tasks or overdue tasks Oh, or things that you tag a certain way and it can put them in a put them in a on your calendar, those kinds of things. So just things that help you kind of get the content in front of your eyes when you want and where you want it. Um, these tools are very good at that. I will say one little caveat, and that is you do have to kind of put your brain into it to get it set mm-hmm. up. Like you said, that one day that you set up um all of yours was well worth it, given the amount of time you've used it and stuff. I always kind of cringe at the thought of it breaking because I'm mm-hmm. not sure my brain remembers what I did to get it set up. So take a few notes along the way yeah. as you're doing that setup. Do just do your future self a favor, and uh, you know, in case it breaks, have something to fall back to. Yep, for sure. Just before we leave the topic, Sal, I just want to call out a few um, church-specific web services that that work well with some of these automation tools. Planning Center, I know a lot of you use Text to Church, Church Stamp, or things that came up when I did a search for church-specific applications that are in Zapier, IFTT, or Make, those kinds of things, tend to work with uh, with those kinds of things. So, which makes sense. A lot of those are on a schedule or rely on scheduling. And that's a, that's a prime territory for automation. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, 
Uh, don't be shy. If you use a tool or have some kind of automation with these tools or others that you want to share with us or the, uh, with the rest of us, uh, please mm-hmm. do that. Uh, send an email to wellstech at wells.net or go to the show notes page, wellstech.wells.net and, and leave a comment on, on this particular show. Uh, and then we will um, share that with the rest. I think that's helpful. So everybody has different needs. Uh, our needs aren't necessarily the same as a typical pastor or teacher. So I'd love to hear from some of you guys as well. So good stuff. I, I love this kind of stuff, Sally. Yeah, that's the geek within you for right, sure. It is. <laughs> Let's move on to our ministry resource this week. Yeah, and guess what? It's going to fall right in line with what we've been discussing. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. Um, you actually made mention of it, I believe, Martin, when you were talking that RSS feeds are great um, uh, source content for mm-hmm. using in tools that that automate. And Wells.net has a good number of RSS feeds that you can make use of and perhaps display on your website or um, send you know, in different methods. And so we wanted to just point out to you that there's Forward in Christ um, and Together newsletter RSS feeds, as well as something called Worship Helps, which is a really cool tool that comes out once a week looking to the Sunday in advance um, to prepare your heart with the readings and things that'll be part of that Sunday's um, worship. Um, Besides that, all of our devotional content and through my Bible in three years, thanks to someone I know, um, text and audio versions are out there. And then our various blogs, including the Wellstech blog website. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're interested, there's um, some helpful tips that get you started with RSS feeds. There's more feeds from congregational services. Wow. Um, The gifts just keep on giving. So Marriage Moments, the Congregational Services blog, and the Wells Preacher podcast all have RSS feeds as well. So check those out and uh, let us know if you're using RSS in a creative way. Um, Wells RSS specifically, we'd love to, to hear more about that. Nice. All right, Sally, time for our Picks of the Week. Time for our picks of the week. And guess what? I'm going to share my screen one more time for those watching the video. Um, What I came across this week, and I believe um, this was from an email from Google for Education. So I follow Google for Education and get periodic emails about content they're putting out. And this in particular has to do with one of our favorite recent subjects, artificial intelligence. And this is kind of written written for a teacher, a guide to AI and education, um, has some interesting kind of background information, uh, a good list of questions um, to think about as you consider AI principles and how they're going to impact your classroom and things like that. Um, Is it appropriate for education, responsible, safe, and secure? Is it clear to educators and students what the benefit of using it are and how and where and how to start? Is it helping all levels and backgrounds to succeed? And so on. So a good kind of checklist for you. And, you know, just kind of walking through um, ways you can use AI in education and, um, 
making learning more personal and things like that. There's also a link to an AI literacy guide, which is a really good way. It says to help students learn more about AI. It's kind of the same content, but just simpler and um, not as detailed in things, but they talk about five different things um, here and give you some background. And I would venture to say that this might be a good uh, handout to share with your parents because I'm thinking that they're hearing about artificial intelligence and education, and they might want to know a little bit more about it as well. Um, so two really helpful brief handouts that give you a good place to start as you're considering AI in your educational space. It answers some questions about what they're doing in Google Workspace for Education and whether they're um, making BARD available, which is um, Google's version of a chat GPT type um, solution. And so um, simple, straightforward, and just uh, pretty short and succinct. So check it out if you're looking for more information on AI in education. Nice. Yeah, very complete. This is, mm -hmm. uh, I think, a great approach to getting people up to speed pretty quickly on what I what AI is and in a very practical way. So mm -hmm. good. All right. Sally, my pick of the week, I kind of tipped my hat before. It is a product called raindrop.io. They build themselves as an all-in-one bookmark manager. And I guess that's uh, how I would best describe it as well. Kind of a bookmark tool on steroids. Now, anybody mm -hmm. who uses a browser uh, uses bookmarks or favorites, depending on you know which browser you use. But the uh, cool part about... Um, let me share my screen here. Uh, let's see. Is this not going to let me do this? Uh, let's try this. It's harder than it looks, isn't it, Martin? It is because I haven't. <laughs> this is a newer computer, and I haven't told the Mac that hey, you can uh, you can do this. So I'm not going to be able to share this at this point, which is a bummer. Anyway, I'll talk through it. The um, the concept is. Um, the fact that you can not just bookmark a site, but also take a note or highlight content on the site is kind of one of the killer features. So you can somewhat annotate your web browsing. So you, it's one thing to bookmark a site, but if there was something on the site that you were particularly interested in and want to be drawn back to, you don't want to have to maybe read through you know, <laughs> a 20-page blog post, so to speak, uh, or 5,000 word blog post, you were kind of mostly interested in this section. So, you know, with this uh, Chrome extension, it has a Chrome extension. It's also a website or a web service. Uh, you can actually see both when you visit the site, again, where you highlighted, but also within raindrop.io, you can see what highlights you made and what notes you took. Uh, so it's a great way to kind of track what you were really interested in. Um, another nice thing about this is it's got a mobile version. So when you're on your phone, you can, you can tag these. Uh, and then there's a whole organizational structure that you can apply to this. So you can apply it to groups. So I've got a work group, a home group, so I can separate my two. And then you can tag and put them in collections and then reorganize them and kind of view them any way you like. Uh, it also, if you pay for it, which I believe is $29 a year, something like that, which I would, uh, which I've done, uh, it allows you to store content offline. 
uh, and then it makes it totally searchable. You know, the entire contents huh. of of a total article, you can search through your entire Raindrop IO repository or collections, and surface exactly what you've, you know, what you're looking for. You can slice it and dice it by notes, by highlights, again by collections, tags. Uh, just see the videos. It'll do videos, articles, links. You know documents. You can even upload documents if you want. One thing that I've always struggled with, Sally, is when somebody shares with me, let's say a Google Doc. Uh, so I've got all you can in, in Google Drive, you can go and see all the things that have been shared with you, but uh-huh. there's no real organization to this that. It's just true. kind of a long <laughs> list. So yes. what I do when I get something shared with me, these are again just links. Uh, I bookmark them in in Raindrop. I categorize them. I will take a quick note on them, and now I have a quick link to them in the in my linking system. I don't have to go to Google Drive or whatever. I can kind of find what I'm looking for all in one place, which is kind of nice. So if I've got uh, so recently, we've been working with a couple vendors, and I've got a projects category. For each project, I put all the content that is related to that particular project. And in these cases, they're sending me um, uh, statements of work and proposals and those kinds of things in a Google Doc. Um, So it's real easy for me to just tag that, put it in my bookmarking tool, and now I've got all that stuff together, which uh, really saves a lot of time. I don't have to wonder, and that's kind of the double-edged sword of the world in which we live with all these web services, you don't have to, it's difficult to remember where you left (laughs) it or where it is. You know, is it in this service? Is it an email? Did I copy this to Google Drive? Is it on my desktop? You know, those kinds of questions. Uh, You spend a lot of cycles, I think, just trying to figure out where you, where you tag (laughs) this stuff, where you put it. So uh, this kind of centralizes that. So it's, it's actually a a very nice tool. So there is a free version. You don't get some of the offline capabilities, but if you're okay with that, then for the most part, it, it, it gives you all this, all the same features. So it's a very cool tool. Raindrop.io. Yeah, I'm looking at pricing yearly $28, so very affordable. Um, You know, Martin, in this day and age, and maybe at our age, Mm. comes into play as well. It's (laughs) not so much what you know, but how good your bookmarking tool is. Exactly, exactly. Very good. That's a great pick. I think this was a pick about two and a half years ago, and... um, it's uh, I thought I'd bring it up again, so because it, it really is central to my workflow. Yeah, you make an investment oh. in a tool like that, so I would guess oh, over two sure. and a half years you've you've seen the benefits. Right. All right, community news and feedback, Sally. Well, today we're going to share something from our friends at the Christ in Media Institute. This is an educational arm of Bethany Lutheran College, kind of the brainchild of Dr. Tom Custer, who we hold in highest esteem, wonderful man mm-hmm. who's done so much great work with Christ in Media. Um, he and his wife, Judy, um, coordinate the Gospel Outreach with Media Conference. This is an annual online conference. We've talked about this over the last probably six to eight years that they've been doing this now. Um, And it is open right now for you to participate in. Um, Ends on November 6th. So you've still got a couple of weeks to get out there and dig into the great content um, that's being presented at this year's online conference. Um, And basically they have 
um, some different kind of categories around uh, what they're presenting. Um, they have the gospel for today and always um, presented by actually um, now in glory, Pastor Mark Harstad. Um, and then there's work of Bethany CMI fellows. So different people around um, L's and Wells who are doing just some really cool um, projects related to gospel outreach and using media. Um, and then there's for this particular conference, a whole section on the chosen, which is mm-hmm. a, a online video series that you can watch about the life of Jesus. And so um, they've got things talking about the, the theology of the chosen production values, writers and actors views um, its message for singles, its business model, potential for mission outreach, just all kinds of things around this um, particular video series. And I'm I'm really interested to hear what they have to say. This is a video series I I haven't watched yet, and I've kind of been holding off just to find the right time to kind of get into it. Um, but I'm very interested in it. I have a lot of friends who really recommend it highly. So I'm curious um, what they have to say and and what the discussion looks like around um, their examination of the chosen. And then there's some other gospel outreach um, ventures listed here as well, including one from Wells Tech friend, Pastor Rob Gunther, who serves at St. John's in New Orleans, Minnesota, and who's doing his first annual virtual reality camp and uh, he's got some photos and different things that they're trying to accomplish um, during this camp Um, number one is to spread the gospel teach train laugh explore envision and expand and they only allowed a few students in I, i can't remember the exact number but they kept it pretty small because they have a certain number of headsets and things for virtual reality um Basically, they're having MLC students run the camp, and uh, they came up with some themes and bought some snacks and set up the equipment, which they said was the hardest part, Um, and they're running a camp and troubleshooting and monitoring to see what happens. So he's got some cool pictures out here of the um, kids looking at uh, different things through the VR headsets. It's set up for four Sundays in October, with the fifth being a play date. So they have five people signed up. They're doing um, two different sessions. Um, So a total of seven students um, taking it because they only have five headsets um, with a focus on music, then art, um, things like sculpting and 3D printing their creations with the art week. Um, They're doing a science night and a FIED night. And then, like he said, um, the fifth is kind of open-ended for them to figure things out. Um, He's got a link here to lesson plans devised by the MLC students. And um, like I said, kind of braving new territory. Maybe we need to have Pastor Gunther on um, later in the year so that we can hear how it went and hear what he learned from the process. Um, Again, just one of the many things that are out here Um, on the Gospel Outreach with Media uh, conference website. Uh, You can participate by commenting and discussing with the authors and learning more about what they did and things like that. So Mm -hmm. check it out. 
Yeah, I think Dr. Tom has really upped the ante here on this one. This is a nice, this is a nice set of stuff here. Mm-hmm. All right, Sally, I think that's it for the stuff we prepared for the show. Um, we're going to do this again in a couple weeks. What do we have coming up? I am really looking forward to our next show because we're going to be talking about screen design, specifically worship screens, um, projection. And uh, we have a special guest joining us, Carissa Nelson, who's a digital artist and has done a lot of the screen design that's being used in Wells churches these days. So looking forward to talking with Carissa and learning more about the do's and don'ts of of worship screens. Looking forward to it. Great. I want to thank everybody who is listening or viewing today. I uh, really appreciate the time that you have devoted to uh, listening to us chit-chat about technology and ministry. If you get a chance, rate us on your podcast player or podcast service. That really helps and can help spread the word as well. Um, let us know uh, about any feedback you've got, too. We've talked about going to wellstech.wells.net, that beautiful site that Sally keeps up so well for us. With uh, That's our that's our Wellstech brain sitting out there for <laughs> 711 episodes. It's all the content out there. So um, take advantage of that as well. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.